Hey, I'm Jenny. And I'm Hillary, and you can call us... The Garden Tarts. You know, kissing lips and breaking hearts. We have been bestest friends for over 25 years, and we love to talk you too. We've had some super ridiculous adventures, and now this podcast, which is pretty much all opinion with a handful of facts thrown in. Why a YouTube podcast? Because as much as we love talking you two, we know you do too. So sit down, grab a drink, and find us on Instagram and Twitter so we can chat. Well, we should start off announcing that this is the podcast for U2's third studio album, War, which we've been greatly anticipating this one. I have, at least. Oh, really looking yeah. forward to it. Can I first say something sure. else? I would like to say hello to our one Canadian listener. Thank you, Canadian listener. Yay! Hello, Canadian. Someone from the Ontario region. Yeah. We appreciate you tuning Thanks. in. We cheers to you. And you're it. You're it worldwide as as we have (laughs) this is our international cheers um most importantly listenership most importantly though what are you drinking tonight jenny this is i believe the same as last time the jameson caskmate stout edition which is getting quite low i'm gonna need it i might need a new bottle by our next recording um, i'm drinking the jameson castmates ipa which is also getting low but i added a splash of ginger ale and a splash of sour milks and it's about the best drink i've ever had and i see you're just sucking it down with the straw because i there you go i I wanted something that had a straw that wouldn't spill over and yeah but i wanted something that didn't condensate so i was looking for my nephew's little paw patrol sippy cups and i couldn't find them they're like metal but I couldn't find them. So it's uh, yeah. um, next yeah. time. This is working just fine. Prepare but... next time. Good. Okay. So. Good. Okay. Um, so welcome to welcome war. To war. What's it good for? Everything. <laughs> and nothing. Everything. Um, okay. So war was released on February 28, 1983. It was recorded at Windmill Lane Studios in Dublin between September and November 1982. Produced by Steve Lillywhite, who, fun fact, said prior to war that he would never work with a band for more than two albums. And this is his third album with you, too. So, yeah, he tried not to. He did he try not, not to, to, but I mean, it, it was a uh, it worked out well for everyone. And then, you know, he came back a couple more times. Mm-hmm. So war war topped out on the UK chart as number one. It dethroned Thriller from its number one spot on the charts, which, wow. Was huge. I mean, that's huge for even, like, any incarnation of U2. It charted 12th in the U.S., which is amazing. And on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Times, it's number 223. Nice. Not too shabby. That is a good fact yep. there, yeah. And to chat. So a few more little fun facts. It was released obviously on vinyl, two sides, but the the cassette had the full album on both sides, which I don't remember any albums like that. But I don't. I think I maybe my the only cassette I had of War back in the day was somebody else's. Somebody recorded it for me, dubbed it for me. The yeah. three. Okay, so there were four singles, which is also interesting stuff in here that I didn't know. Um, New Year's Day was released on New Year's Day, 
Yes, I had to look at that a couple. What a novel idea! A couple times, but like, I just felt like that was not just handy, but like that was just really (laughs) wise and everything built. Um, built-in marketing. (laughs) So, two hearts beat as one, and Sunday Bloody Sunday were both released on March eleventh, nineteen eighty-three, and forty was a single, which I have. It must have been a radio single because I have never seen proof of any sort of release single. So unless they just released it, but still it should come up on somewhere. I mean, they had to send, they had to send it to radio stations. It's not like today where everything's digital. They'd have like an actual copy of it. So I've never heard of or seen any evidence of a single for 40, but apparently it was released as a single. So the tour was from... February 26, 1983, and lasts till November 30th, 1983, which, if you think about that, is a very, very short tour for you two. The tour grossed $2 million. Yeah, I think they were were playing most nights. Yeah, no, I'm sure they were. But still, it just seems like, I don't know. But also, though, they didn't tour war into Unforgettable Fire. There was a break there. And almost everything else they've toured from right, you know, almost right into... yeah the next album. So the tour grows $2 million. And the two major, they played the Us Festival in California, which was a big deal. And then they played Red Rocks, which was recorded on video and audio under Blood Red Sky. And so those are the the facts. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about under a Blood Red Sky later. Yes, we'll get to that later. I have a few little things to say just kind of overall about the album and then we'll get into song okay. song by song but so to me it it sounds like war is kind of announcing their arrival like boom here we are and yes. there's no hesitation there's no posturing it's just a rock band that's not going anywhere and i i wonder and this is my i i think we're starting this pretty early but my question to bono would be did you know what you had in the studio because this isn't, I mean, this is crazy good material. So it, when they were yeah. in the studio, did they sit there and say, hey, we have this amazing hit? I suspect so. I mean, I just, I think they did. Yeah, even, I if, think... even if they didn't, they probably wouldn't have admit, admitted that and still probably wouldn't. But it just, it's an album that just sounds so confident and urgent. And also so live, just the combination of the songs live, I think. I mean, Sunday, obviously, New Year's Day. But I think those kind of set the tone for every live show they played since then. Like, it it just got them into that, you know, crazy good live band. I also listened to War, and I see how they got from War to Unforgettable Fire and Joshua Tree and Octone Baby and everything else after that. But if they hadn't done War... They went from October to Unforgettable Fire. Can you imagine? That would not have been a transition that anybody could have, I think, bared. No. I mean, they definitely knew this album was make or break. Yeah. It is absolutely, I mean, and there's, like, documentation of them knowing that, for sure. I have a few comments, too, like, kind of along the same lines. Interesting. And we talked about this in previous podcasts, how we would now talk about it now, how this is, like... (laughs) their coming of age <laughs> like on boy that's very like teenagery you know there's this sexual stuff but it's also just like teenage boys right <laughs> and so much more of that and growing up 
and the heartache around growing up. And then October is this like weird kind of internal strife, confusion. And there's one thing about you two is that you're always going to get the truth. Right. And unfortunately for us boys, truth was exciting and October's truth was not. And war's truth is like them going out into the world and talking about all of their frustrations with what's going on in the world (laughs) politically and violently and all these things. And um, there's this really great quote from Bono and he, I think it was from a hot press interview. And he says, whereas the previous two LPs had been inward looking, war was outward looking. Whereas the previous two LPs had in the lyric sense been impressionistic, splashing paint on the canvas, war was more like graffiti which I think is kind of a cool artistic way to look at it. Everything you just said was so right on. And cl- I mean, what you said. In bon- <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> no, before the Bono quote. Oh, I didn't yeah. I interrupt you when you were saying the Bono quote. But everything you said before then was right on. And obviously it was a good Bono quote. Is another thing that he said. I don't have the direct words from him. But, you know, people started really tagging them as a political band with this political album. But like looking into it, like, and we'll talk about Sunday Bloody Sunday, but like, it's not actually a political song. It's anger and frustration with the violence of the politics. Like it's actually more about emotions around all of it. So with that, this song is not a rebel song. This song is Sunday Bloody Sunday. (laughs) Let's actually get into the song, shall we? Yes. (laughs) We didn't even rehearse that. No, but I was waiting to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you'd fall in the line. Yeah. <laughs> I love this song. And I remember you saying, you might have said on the last podcast, that like the first three drum beats of this album saved their career. It absolutely did. I just got chills from even thinking about that. But yeah, it, I so mean, you said something like that. And it's just, just how the album opens. If any other, if it had been in any other order, mm-mm. I don't know what it would, we would, we'll never know. No, well, we, we would never know, but I think looking back, you know, I'll obviously look back with 2020 hindsight, and I think I say that like five times in my notes for yeah war, but I feel like in terms of being an, an established fan, Sunday, if you listen to the album, it kind of makes them peak too soon, and I feel like for the sake of our podcast, <laughs> it does that to us too, because where do you go from here? Hey, Spots. My cat is making a guest appearance <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> but, you know, like, where do you go from? I mean, we have, pl- I have plenty to say about, you know, other, all the other songs, but like, <laughs> really, we should have the first 45 minutes here. Right. <laughs> Most of our 10 minutes. Like, I mean, up. I could do, definitely do a whole podcast on this song. And I don't think I'm even going to, you know, scrape the surface of my thoughts on. Sunday Bully Sunday. I did an essay in high school profiling the different live performances wow. <laughs> of the song. And I gave my teacher a cassette tape of all the different versions to listen That's to. pretty cool. I did a... I don't know. I don't remember how I did on that. I don't think he was very impressed. I wrote a paper in for Earth Science. And it was like a really serious, like big part of our grade that was like writing a report. And that was graded on, you know, grammar and everything, too, which it's not really earth science-y. But um, it was about this film we saw on hurricanes. My paper was called, like, the one of the scenes in the little film was, like, 
a street with like all the signs down and everything. So it was called Where the Streets of No Name. And <laughs> I used, you know, body that. strewn across the dead end street, whatever. I got an A and she put it on a bulletin board and I had to take it out. I had to take it back because it was by no means my original words. I'm like, I'll just take that yeah. off the bulletin board, but thank you for the A. <laughs> I have a paper wrote in college too. We're right about when we get to that okay. album. <laughs> that actually blew people away. But anyway. Sunday Bloody Sunday. The history of these Bloody Sundays in Ireland is intense. I think we'll say specifically the song. They talk about Bloody Sunday was in uh, November 1921. That's the big one. If you all have seen Michael Collins, you know it. Nah, check it out. I um, think his, his, I I don't know, big birthday was a couple days ago. I think they're yeah. Was it? Cool. I don't know what number um, it was, hundred and something. Yeah. Go ahead. But there have been other other incidents in Ireland that were, you know, that they have tagged into that bloody Sunday, the carnage of the political war and the religious war. And I don't really want to get into all that history because I feel like we have so much to talk about. But this song is really they'll and like the band will say that they're they're pro-republic, they're pro-Ireland, you know, they're pro-United Island, but they're not singing about that they're not rebels they're not for the rebel like they're not part of the rebellion they just really want people to stop killing each other it's just awful and the song is so angry so angry the words are angry and it, the performance got angry i think on the album the anger of of the vocals don't come across as much as it is when you hear it why but that's totally fine it does you know the lyrics are angry right. enough for all of it. Yeah, so Bon is saying it's not a rebel song. I think if you take that at face value, that when he means a rebel song, I think it's, you know, it's not just from, you know, a guy who grew up in the Republic of Ireland. It's a protest song that could come from someone against the IRA or someone against, you know, anything, any protest song for inequality. And so the definition of a rebel is a person that rises in opposition or armed resistance against established government or ruler. So this song is a rebel song. I mean, (laughs) by definition, it's a rebel song. It's just not, you know, people from the IRA could also sing the same song. It doesn't, it's not necessarily saying it, it, again, not a political song. It's, you know, a song of war and resistance and clearly a rebel song which is i've always had when he says that i'm like but dude it really is a rebel song like whatever also like i'm skipping ahead but i think he means they're like they're they're not taking no no the song itself is not no and i i agree with that but i also think that you know when he says it when he sang it in you know ireland it has an obviously different meaning because what he's saying there is it's not a rebel song like being from the republic or whatever at face value but right to me it it really is a rebel song i think that i listen to it now and recently and i hear in a totally different way than i kind of heard it in the past like we have you know horrible whatever a couple weeks ago you know we had horrible shootings and I didn't, you know, I looked at my phone once and I'm like, this is horrible. And I immediately moved on because we get this so often. And 
you know, we have these this horrible news, we're immune to it. And it's kind of like, yeah. that's, I can't believe the news today. But we're, because we're immune to, like, you can't believe it. But, you know, I can't really believe, I can't really say that, though. I can't believe the news today, because I can believe it. I think, right. you know, it's, uh, you just kind of get immune to that. And I think that's kind of where Bonnet was going with that, too, that, you can't believe it, but, you know, it's also not at all surprising that... Well, I mean, but he says it, and he says that it's true we are right. immune when fact is fiction on. into right. the reality. And the whole, like, how long must we sing this song? Like, it, like seriously. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I, like, how long? Like, seriously, how long? Like, it's... Always. Ridiculous. We're always going to be singing that song. It's always going to be applicable to whatever horrible... The world's never going to be changes. at peace, so... Yeah, I mean, today to me, it's, you know, our horrible administration and, you know, persecution of everyone and guns and everything. But it also works for the Middle East. It works for Africa and he's used it for all those. So it's very versatile. And despite the fact that we have like this gun epidemic, it so much of it comes down to religion and race. Absolutely, it does. Which is like from the dawn of time is what people find about. Um, okay, so a couple of things I want. I have way more on here than I need to say, but the white flag. So, yes. and we'll discuss it more when we get to Under Blood Red Sky. But I mean, like the symbol of Sunny Boy Sunday is the white flag, which I just feel like makes the song, to hear that, to see that, just makes the song so much more stark because... You know, the song to power. It is. It means so much for a song that's so angry. And that's kind of, you know, the mascot for the white flag is kind of the mascot for, you know, for the song. Okay, so the, and we'll talk about this more later as well. But so Sunny Boy Sunday had been around for a while at this point. On November 8th, 1987, the IRA bombed a Remembrance Day ceremony in Enniskillen in Northern Ireland and 13 people were killed on the same day you two played in Denver Colorado and it it seemed like Sunday Bloody Sunday was written for that moment I mean it was just that was that was the moment that song came yeah it was just alive. you know four or five years earlier but Absolutely. it was written for that night for you two hearing that news and then getting getting on stage it was just, it was yeah. It was raw. It was hours yeah, apart, I believe. Raw and painful and angry. And then following that, Bonham said they probably wouldn't play that song again. Spoiler alert. <laughs> that didn't last. <laughs> I want, yeah. I want to talk about how that song changed. Can yeah. I do that? Do you have something else to do with that? So we'll talk about that more in Rattle and Yes, Home. definitely. Definitely. We'll, re- we'll revisit Absolutely. that. But to think about, you know, how it was born on war. And then, you know, how we all experienced it in the Rattle and Hum movie with the so angry, so incredibly angry. And that might have actually been one of my first true experiences with the song because I became a fan a little bit later in their career. But I want to talk about how they play it on, they played it on Innocence and Experience, how it completely changed tone. And it like wasn't, you know, it's like all four of them were out on the catwalk. And they have like the Irish flag colors over them, which is not the white flag. Even in America, they have the Irish flag colors over them. And I swear, like, it went from like this angry, not rebel song (laughs) 
to like down on your knees, just begging prayer. Like this has got to stop. Like, it's not like I, like you can't even be angry anymore. It's just like, I surrender. Like we have got, this has got to change. I mean, talk, we talked about it before. If you listen to how much we love Sting. Oh, so I, <laughs> I have a later app. thing where I, in my a notes, I, it was my own little thing, but I put like hashtag Sting mention, <laughs> but you beat me to Sting it by mention. 10 songs. Damn it. <laughs> but like we talked about last time on October, is that all? How songs, it's like when they're on the album, that's like when they're born and that they grow as the band grows as moods grow attitudes grow as everything changes in life and that's one of those songs that it changed definitely changed and it, it changed it needed to in, in, in a really beautiful way did. and i've ha- had a lot of people say that they don't they complain about that they don't like it more acoustic or you know like just kind of bare bones i love it i don't care how you play it i also had this great idea for beautiful. sunday as a reggae song and I had it all out in my head in my car one day. I'm like, oh my god, this is the best song ever. And now I don't remember it. But for but they had like the reggae with the whole like Jamaica thing. Yeah, like, I'm there might be a version. There probably there probably <laughs> is. I do feel like there was some tour where they touched on that. Mine was just a whole lot more in my head. You had reggae. It. You um, had it going. Okay, so music. Let's talk about the guitar for a minute. So I think that yeah. it's pretty often that you know and this is uh my bruce mention hashtag bruce hashtag because it's gonna be in those two guys are gonna get a shout out in every one of our podcasts but you know like the bruce quote that the springsteen quote well i've got this guitar and i've learned how to make it talk i think that's not a rare thing where it feels like the vocalist and the guitar are like one I don't think that's incredibly yes. rare. I think it is rare when the drums and the lyrics are one unit. But the drums are, yeah. I mean, this is a, a, this song is, I mean, and, and as great as the guitar is, the bass, everything, it's a perfect song. But the drums and the vocals are, are one unit. And I think that's incredibly rare. I think it is. I mean... I'm sure people could show me a million other examples, but the catalog of music I listen to, you don't find yeah. that very often. Sunday Bloody Sunday is definitely a uh, a song that that happens. I also heard Bono talk about it once, about Larry playing drums, and he said that it's rare that a drummer has the, I can't think of the word, but the like, they can play this song with no other instruments and you still know what it is. And Larry has many, many, many yeah. of those songs where it's like his own, you know, footprint without the music. But I mean, obviously the drums start the song, but if you just, if you went like midway into the song and just the drums started, there's no mistaking that Even like it. when we yeah. were in dc and you could hear drums through the ceiling it wasn't just <laughs> we weren't like who's playing drums <laughs> it was pretty clear who was playing drums upstairs yeah <laughs> <laughs> we went like i wonder who that is this was flat out and you can hear it in sound checks too it's like there's right. no you know you know when it um a crew sound check and when it's the band because from Larry mostly to me 
I hear it, but okay. What else? Well, I had a few. And like, few I other... realize speaking of, um, and I just feel like we're, I mean, of course we appreciate the rhythm section of this band, just whole new appreciation, really diving into these songs. Like I was in the car the other day, listening to the song. And I realized that like the beat that I'm like moving to is Adam. Right. It's not the drums, which you no, think of as like the militant drumming that you want to march to. It's actually Adam is I pulling have, the song along. Is keeping I have it found together. this many times where I'm like air drumming on my steering wheel and I'm like, dude, that's not the drums. <laughs> it's the bass line. <laughs> it's bass that I'm drumming. So yeah. that, that happens to me many times. And that said, I'm, you know, I don't know much about music and I do often, not on U2 songs, but I do often sometimes have a hard time finding the bass in songs yeah. if it's not just out there okay so on a personal note yep. not that the rest of this hasn't been but so the sunday really sunday is you know clearly one of the first u2 songs that that grabbed me i mean it was you know from the first time i heard it it was the most just amazing i mean it, it just drew me in so ser- like seriously into i seriously got into that song yet I had seen you two 18 times before I heard Sunday once. Really? 18 times. And I'd never heard Sunday Bloody Sunday. Gosh. Because they didn't so play it. They didn't play. I mean, Edge did. I don't count that. Edge's karaoke thing you know, or whatever. Okay. I'm not counting that. Because it wasn't the full it. song and it just yeah. wasn't. I don't count that. But so when did you first hear it? It was the first show I saw of Elevation in Charlotte. And my, I also remember my brother standing behind me who had seen you two, obviously never heard Sunday either. And he loves that song. And he was like somehow over me. Like I was at the rail <laughs> oh, I know and he story. somehow like, like I look up and he's like somehow, I mean, he's tall, but he's not that tall. Yeah. And he was like screaming like a little girl. Like it was, it was very cool. And this, I don't, didn't have this in my notes, but I, this is a good add in too though. I went to I went to see Joshua Tree at FedEx in Maryland with both of my brothers. And Jer- my brother Jeremy never seen you yeah. two and never seen a, um, a, a stadium show. And I was really excited for Will because he's the one that really likes Sunday Sunday to hear the first song that they played, you know, coming out that it was Sunday Blade Sunday. So dramatically, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he went and looked at the set list before. <sighs> The show, which just was like a knife through my heart. I don't think Jeremy listened or cared when Will said it because we, I know we were in the car on the way there, and Will's like, I know the first song. I'm like, damn it. But it's so cool how Larry's come out. It's so cool. (laughs) But, but so the other thing, so, you know, we're at the front rail, and as we are, and, uh, We had been there forever. I mean, obviously, before the the opening band went on and then after the opening band and waiting for you two. And it was, you know, hours. And I almost think that my brother Jeremy forgot why we were there. Like, I really honestly, the look on his face when they came out and started playing (laughs) Sunday Bloody Sunday was a sheer shock. And the look on his face, I will never, ever forget it for the rest of my life because... It was just the excitement. And it, really, though, he looked like, oh, my God, this is really where I am. <laughs> and I think, Aww. you know, as a frequent 
concert goer, I think we take that for granted. I have sure. one more fun fact. So Sunday okay. Sunday has been played 935 times. Damn. The first time was December 1st, 1982 in, in Glasgow. And the most recent was September 29th, 2018 in Copenhagen. I'm not entirely sure I realized that we didn't hear it in Dublin. I was like, wait, what? Uh-uh. We didn't hear it. It, went, it didn't, wasn't played in Dublin, which now hurts my heart. <laughs> but I don't think that I noticed it then just because no yeah but they changed up the set list so much they added so much they added baby all that up to baby and stay that and everything that's why i was like yeah replaced it i'm like half the everything show replaced it. <laughs> yeah but i don't think i actually realized that until i did this research yeah well because so, so much those those set lists were so amazing yeah oh my gosh let's go back there like to like, I mean, not right now, in the future, but like then there in our in our time machine. In a time machine. Yeah, I'm I'm there, Jenny. I keep I'm losing there. the keys. I got to go find the keys again. Yeah. Well, I we don't I don't really have the the quantity of plutonium I expected to have. And it's okay. It now runs on garbage. We don't need roads. <laughs> we don't need roads where we're I going. I feel like we. I feel like. Have we mentioned Back to the Future in other podcasts? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we had the exact same conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guarantee you, it won't be, uh, be the last time. No. <laughs> Shall we uh, move on to our next song? We sure should. The next song is Seconds. So this is The Edge's vocal debut, lead vocal debut should say. He's been doing backing vocals for all of time, which people just don't notice. No, I I actually think that people probably at first listen, or you know, if you're not a a diehard, I don't. I suspect you wouldn't notice that the Edge is singing. Yeah. Well, and there's like but, some quote from Bono Summer, or a few of them saying like, "I was Edge has a wonderful voice. I was happy to have him sing." And right. then people thought it was me anyway. Like. Right. <laughs> um, I love on I love Edge on vocals though, but I would really like. Bono and Edge do like a true duet, like I yeah. was in the stream or I got you, babe, or something like that. Yeah, that would That's be what amazing. Friends are for. I don't know. I want them. I don't care what That's it is. What I want for. them doing a true like love-based <laughs> duet. And that would fill my heart with so much joy. We must so, discuss this with Bono over cake and whiskey. This is definitely a cake and whiskey. Like, so it's Bono, a cake and whiskey think, conversation. What do you think the odds are of you and Edge recording Islands in the Stream together? My hope is that he says, well, on karaoke nights, we prefer. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to be like, leave the whiskey and cake. Just leave. <laughs> Keep, no, I want to hear more. The, I'm keeping no, the whiskey and cake, and you guys just head on out. Can I have a hug first? Just a hug, maybe a quick and, selfie, and um, a hoodie, and like a hoodie, t-shirts. <laughs> We're gonna get zero percent t-shirts. <laughs> I want a hug and a hoodie, and cake and whiskey. Yep, that's all. Over cake and whiskey. And that's so and much like, to ask. And like a four-hour conversation. <laughs> No less. <laughs> no less. Yeah. We'll just listen the whole time. I don't care. Right. I don't we don't need to I don't need to say anything. Maybe um, we could submit little questions in advance and let him just talk the whole time. <laughs> okay. Okay, go ahead. 
I have written down here that Seconds is one of my favorite songs on the album. And I really think it is. I just think that every time I hear it, it surprises me. Like, oh my gosh, this one. Because like, you think I'm about same... Sunday, Bloody Sunday, and you think about New Year's Day. And yeah. You, I don't know, like, it's like this little hidden gem. Yeah. Um, I love it. And I agree with it. I agree with it, too. Because literally, I went from looking at my notes on New Year's Day to looking at my notes, I mean, on Sunday, Bloody Sunday, to looking at my notes for New Year's Day. I literally, just like what you just said. <laughs> I literally over. just skipped it and I'm not sure oh. if you saw my face but when you said seconds no. I was like <laughs> well, I was too busy what? drinking my whiskey thank you very much <laughs> but that's like I kind of you know like when they decided that they could do the Josh Tree tour because the songs were relevant again mm-hmm. like holy crap like I don't want this album to be relevant again but no. it's like imminent threat of nuclear war and what they say the um the lunatics have taken over the asylum, like, right? I mean, that is totally relevant. It's totally relevant. I, I have said for many, many, many years that I miss Cold War music so bad. Like, think about yeah. those little songs, like, hashtag Sting mention, Russians. Yeah. I'm like, we just, you know, like, we just don't have, and I guess that really was the last time we had, like, pop music that was social awareness like that's yeah. not what happened I mean we don't have that very much I wonder if it'll come though I remember when um because I don't listen to everything Bono says let alone hang on to it when the police brutality on especially black men in our country was just becoming so present in the news I know it's been an ongoing thing as an ongoing thing, but when it became like national attention, someone asked him like, well, where are the songs? And he was like, give it time. It takes many years for those songs to end up happening because it's like those kids that are growing up in the experience that then become the artists that then write about it. So it'll be interesting to see. That is interesting. I um, and I would love to, I would love to, discuss that over cake and yeah, whiskey but i think that i mean i look at like vietnam music and that stuff was it was right right away, away. yeah but these aren't times like that where i don't think that and we also like how much music from the black community do you li- really listen to I, i'd like to listen to more i just it, i'm too. also i'm not not gr- informed no i'm it. also not great at listening to new music anymore because i don't listen to the radio I like what Which I is like, horrible, yeah. but it's true. Oh God, I was I had something to say with that. Vietnam. Oh, sorry. oh, so I love this song, and just like every other, you know, U two song, it's if you listen to it, it kind of sounds fun. Like the the song itself, <laughs> if you feel it, it feels yeah. fun. But if you like, like actually look at the lyrics, like copy it's and... not fun. No. no, but that's just like every other, you know, U2 song. Okay, so Seconds has been played 167 times live. It was played during the war tour and then throughout the Unforgettable Fire tour, which I also didn't know huh. or I never thought about it. Nice. It was most, rec- yeah. most recently played um, Unforgettable Fire tour, August 25th, 1985 in Cork. The oh. other thing I have to say about this song, this is that War is such an A-side, B-side album. And 
yeah i think that you know kids today have have no realization of that no but like i guess it's even more so if that whole album was on each side of a cassette but it's like you know you don't want to have to like fast forward through songs you don't like to get to the songs that you like and i feel like all their heavy hitters were on the a side the a side was sunday seconds new year's day like a song and drowning man and it was just like that's that's one heavy a side of an album Mm-hmm. And I, I guess it to me, it's like, no, I'll mix them up. But A, I don't think, you know, but what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Were those songs really just that great? Or did they become that great because they were the A side? I don't know. But I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, some of them were, some of them are just they that, are great. that great. But I didn't listen to them as A side, B side. So I don't know. But I mean, yeah, it was just a solid, it was just a whole I album. I know plenty of there are plenty of albums over time that I did listen to as A side, B side. And it's like most of the B side song, I just don't like, but they were put and you just, there for, cause I don't want to even flip the tape. Yeah, over. I don't want to turn the tape over and I don't want to have to like keep hitting fast forward and stop to see if I get through the song, you know, that's right. just something that kids today will never know the, um, remember when, when cassette recorders flipped, started flipping automatically. Yes. And they also had that a thing like, where if you like hit play and like fast forward or something it would go with to the, the next, next song. song but that was like that happened and then like the next day we got cd players so it didn't really <laughs> it didn't really matter well, yeah i think we had a good few months of convenience mm-hmm. there <laughs> um unless you made your own tapes like mixtapes right. and then you were just screwed what is that i keep thinking that there is a child walking up behind me and it is my cat you are the loudest cat so if you hear like a little sound of high heels, it's my cat. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. This is the same cat known to scare me in the last hour. <laughs> that was someone coming in my front door. Oh, Gibby. <laughs> no, it's spots. It's all spots. I thought it was Gibby that got stuck last time. No, it's uh, not You two were kind of the forerunners of sampling with their, I want to be an airborne ranger. Yeah. I want to live the life of danger. Which I love that. And that. I love that. And they, I read that that literally, like, it came on the TV in the studio. And they're like, ooh, someone record that. I think they just recorded it, like, right off the right. TV. Like, it was just good timing. But, yeah, absolutely. I don't think I have anything else. I just really enjoyed the song. And I, you know, the juxtaposition of it being, like, funky yeah. and poppy. And then just, at the same time, incredibly freaking terrifying. Right. I also it's, feel it's like it's a, something they're very good I feel at. Like it's a really short song, but I let me look that up really quickly. Three minutes and eleven seconds. No, that's not. Oh, I thought it was even. Yeah, shorter. I really did. Anyway, but that's still three minute song. Just yeah, quickly. yeah. It's like a Ramon song. It's like three minutes. Right. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Okay, are we good on seconds? I think we're good. So we have new drinks. I believe we have served ourselves the same whiskey drinks. Mm-hmm. I almost really... got a Magners, but then I felt like, no, nah, I've been doing really well with this concoction I made. Yeah, and then mixing is difficult. I know we should start bringing cake. Really? Should, but I, I, I would save about... cake. We should save cake for when, you know, we have whiskey. Yeah, no, we should bottom. not do yeah. cake. But I thought about it because I would like a little snack about now. 
but I don't want to do a podcast and you hear me crunching or something. Nom, nom, nom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They would never listen to us again. No. We sound like Cookie Monster. (laughs) Nom, 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 nom. (laughs) Okay, so we're moving on to the third track of U2's third album. You know why I always follow that? But it's New Year's Day. Oh, New Year's Day, man. What a powerhouse song. And apparently, I am like guitar naive, but apparently Edge's guitar work on this song is like groundbreaking. Well, I've read several times that Bono said that this is Adam's greatest bass line ever. And I think that I read too that this song started with that bass line, which I don't think is how (sighs) they usually... Yes, yes. I think I remember reading that too. Mm -hmm. It also started as a love song to Allie. And it's, you know... (laughs) Aren't they all? (laughs) Right? I always thought... I was always under the impression just that it was flat out about Polish solidarity. I always thought that. I mean, I remember watching a video on MTV and the VJ talking about that. This song right. is about Polish solidarity. And then I didn't know what that was because I was a child and um, in America. Yeah. And as- <laughs> yeah. Asking my parents and, you know, they gave me this whole big spiel about communism and everything. So only recently did I read that it's supposed to be a love song to Ali. I guess it is a little bit about both if you really, really deconstruct it, but I feel like only Bono can do that. Yeah, and I think like, it's no one off that way, and there's twinges of it in there, yeah. but it's not the overall spirit of it. And I also, you know, being a young fan, learning about Polish solidarity and the whole New Year's Day thing, that that was a coincidence. Yes, it was. Like, the fact that the, what was it, martial law ended on New Year's Day or something? I believe it did. Totally, like, messing up the entire history of it. It's a complete coincidence that the song is called New Year's Day. Yes. And inspired by that part of their history. Yes. Again, I still feel like this whole album, aside from Sunday Blaze Sunday, is just... A really good shout out for the the pros of the Cold War. <laughs> <laughs> the Cold War music. <laughs> Which I'm sorry it's awful to say that, but I really like my Cold War music. I mean yeah. I liked all that. I think really when we're done shul- with this, we should do a special app on Cold War era music. That would be really good. I've got I think I think we'd have fun with that. A ton of it. I see spots. <laughs> yeah. The cat, I don't see spots. Don't call 911. <laughs> People are going to think I'm this crazy cat. Something about this song, if I mean, I'm just because we were just talking about the us being young American children and our, you know, just not understanding the or knowing the, you know, Polish history, this, this, and that. Having been to the experience and in innocence shows in America with American Soul. And then going to the same show in Europe where they subbed out, it was no longer American Soul, it was New Year's Day. Instead of the American flag, it was the Europe, the um, EU flag. It was like, I mean, I apologies to everyone that I have finally arrived <laughs> at this moment <laughs> in my 40-some years of life. 
but it was such an aha moment that because their music there's so much of their music is so America centric and American music influenced that to be in Europe and hear a European song and a European crowd by a European band right was like light bulbs were just going off all over my head oh my I finally get it I get it I feel like that too. I also, when you say, when I saw that, when I saw this first show in Europe, I'm like, it was Ireland. Don't make it sound fancy like France. (laughs) I was meaning non-American. I I know what you were saying, but I feel like, you know, Ireland is great and actually part of Europe. But when I talk about, you know, Europe, you think I, like mainland Europe? I don't think, yeah, Ireland oh, not, and England. Um, <laughs> England is very Europe, but I think of England and France and Italy and whatever. I just for some re- reason when you said that, I'm like, wait, are we gonna go to Europe? <laughs> I've been to Europe, <laughs> not to see the U2s. I have not been. Well, I mean, I have, but I have not been to mainland Europe or. England to see you too. Though anything could anything could happen. Everything can happen. Everything can happen. Yeah. Okay. So I said that about Bono saying it's Adam's baseline. That that baseline is just. I mean, I feel like I don't think there's another song that he has played bass better than that. Also, listening to it, and I mean, I've not done adequate research on the entire YouTube catalog, but. I really feel like everything in this song is equal. The drums are amazing. The bass is amazing. The guitar is amazing. The lyrics are amazing. The vocals are amazing. And like, I feel like they're, I mean, maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe every song is like that. I don't know. But just listening to, re-listening to New Year's Day over and over, I just got that vibe that it's just a really sort of sound of, band equality and um yeah absolutely you know the band had their shit together before the lyricist did right because i think a lot of that stuff was done on the mic because he was having so much trouble getting the words together so the band was solid and i mean praise the heavens above that those lyrics just there's so much inspiration for them i want to go back to that european show okay <laughs> that show we went to in ireland because we were talking about sunday bloody sunday how that song changed and grew and new year's day i've heard like a thousand times it's one of the songs i've heard the most no maybe not but i've heard it a lot of times and i could know what's on the set list i know what's coming up and it's just like oh that's there it's always there whatever whatever and it doesn't like excite me it, i don't care i'm happy to hear it like it's not a song. It's not one of my P songs. <laughs> but I could, you know, I've heard it so many times that I would not mind missing it. Absolutely. Um, but, I, but, I, then I... It, but then it comes on and it's like, oh, yeah, no, this song. Like, of course, it's a mainstay in their live set. And the way they redid it, and I don't know enough about any of the music and the technology behind it, is that, but the way it was like reborn on the European tour whatever they changed was just enough to make it like brand new. It, it absolutely, I totally brand agree new. with that. It sounded like, um, it's so good. It's so good. And it just sounded like I'd never heard it before. It sounded like grownups were playing it. 
<laughs> like really smart grown up. I want to see how many times I've heard it. Yeah, so I've heard this on um, 25, half of my shows. 27 times I've heard. Half of my shows, 25 but times. But I, I, the first time I heard it was at one of the Chicago Pop Mart shows, and I'd never heard it before. And it wasn't part of the set. It was just like, I guess they played three shows in a row. I heard it in Chicago, too, for the first time. Yeah. It said main, main set. Um, oh, like it wasn't a regular, you mean? No, it wasn't a regular song. Right. It was just like, I mean, we were so surprised. But I, my little note says, I mean, I've been to six or seven of the prior shows. Not, you know, six or seven prior shows, but those very shows before this. And, you know, you kind of get a little, you know, oh, this is, I'm, I'm having fun, but... Yeah, I heard this song for the every day for the last week or whatever. Yeah, me too. I'd been to one, two, three, four, five, and two of them would you no, know, one of them was one one day before and then a month before. Yeah, like, yeah, that was a good change up. Yeah, it was. I've been to two shows in Oakland, a show in uh, Los Angeles, Madison, Wisconsin, and then three shows in Chicago, and those were one after the other without missing anything in between. And so anyway, that baseline started and I I can't, like, it was just the best surprise ever. And I can't even imagine what our faces look like because <laughs> I know we had crew like laughing at us, like, oh my yeah. God, look at their faces. Um, we knew it was coming and you didn't. Yeah. And so I, <laughs> You know, I just can't even imagine what the, or I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that they knew it was coming, but still our reactions were, they yeah. did it in the second Oakland show for All I Want Is You Too. We went crazy. And anyway, but it is so great. And the crowd really loves it. And it's, I'm not like just what you said. It's definitely not my favorite U2 song to hear, but I really do relive that Chicago show. Like every time I hear it. Like, I just yeah. remember hearing it for the first time, and I get this, like, jolt. Wow. That said, I, I don't remember. I was there, and I don't remember. It was, I remember that so very well. Like, I just. That whole and 97 I, is a strange blur yeah. thing anyway, so. Okay, so, fun facts. New Year's Day has been played 773 times. First time was December 1st, uh, 1983 in Glasgow, and the most recent was November 13th, 2018 in Berlin, which was their most recent show. Okay. And that's all I have. I'm looking because apparently I didn't write this down. I think it was the song had a different opening lyric at first that was much more polarizing. Um, Oh, no, maybe it wasn't this. Maybe it was something different. Anyway, I digress. If it shows up, I'll mention it later. We'll tweet about it. Yes. New Year's Day is a solid song. Solid of song. All of all the solid songs. And again, and it's I'm, not it's not in my top I don't know, lot, but in terms of YouTube music, it should be way up there in the yeah, overall like craftsmanship and yep. all this and that. Like Yeah. I'm almost slightly disturbed that I don't like it more than I do. Like it's perfect. I should really, really love that song, but yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't dislike it by any means, but it's just not in my. It's a know, rather large top song. It is, it is rather large. You're right about that. You know, like it's yeah. okay that it's not in your top ten. 
great song, boy. Great song. It's bloody fabulous. The next next song is like a song. Dot dot dot. Which I love that the dot dot dot's there because it's like there there's more coming. Right. We didn't really have a name for this. No. (laughs) But this means it's the song and the title and there's to be continued. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um this is my hands down favorite song of the album like not the, the every other song in the album it's not even close this is a clear number one for me yeah i don't know if it's tied for one or number two it is number one sunday bloody sunday because see no, I, it's not oh interesting okay well we'll get there and this is this is all new since revisiting this album so heavily yeah yeah. sunday bloody sunday i have a hard time competing with because live, like the live energy around that right but i I feel like you should just take it out of the running because it's like a it's um, not fair no it's just it's like an olympic athlete at a high school track meet right exactly that is (laughs) that is really really good right there like i just don't count it it's its own beast Right, right. This song does not have great reviews. It's apparently not finished. The lyrics aren't great. The band's got a good thing going, but it's not complete. And I'm like, screw all of that. I love it. I really, really love it. it. And I think it's one of their, if not their most underrated song. I mean, I just, to me, it's so good. So prior to uh, the first show of the Joshua Tree 30 tour, I had two bucket list songs. One was sort of homecoming and the other was exit and boom, boom. One night <laughs> I heard of both, which I was not, ex- I mean, I expected exit, but yeah, well, so yeah. then I had to come up with two more songs that would be my bucket list songs. And the, and what I say with those songs is if they play one of them and I, I'm clearly going to pass out and just let me stay on the ground <laughs> until the song's over and then pick me up. But I want you to enjoy it. I so anyone who that. goes to a YouTube show with me and one of these songs, but so immediately the first song I thought of was like a song. My second song is Hawk Moon 269. And I, I do believe I will never hear either of those songs, but I said that about, I mean, I was for sure. I'd never hear exit. No, never. And I've heard it, you know, Ever. many times now, but many times um, now. So I guess that you know what I thought. What I thought was just totally improbable. So everything could happen. Everything can happen. This song, like, it just doesn't even beat around the bush. It no. just—it's got like this little tiny short intro, and then it's just like boom, boom. We are at it. And it's apparently like written at like their critics who like to try and pigeonhole them, like with the lyric, like, "Is honesty what you want?" Like. Do you want me to be honest or do you want me to write like love songs? Right. Because they're not writing silly love songs. I I was about to say that. I don't think love songs are silly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't Um, either. But but I think that love songs can often sound trite. I want them to have like depth. And I feel like most love songs don't. But um, it is to me like really, even though it's not supposed to be you know, a category. It's not a category. But to me, it's like perfect, like military, semi-punk pop. Like it just touches on all of the the stuff at least I like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, 
going back to like our talking about love songs and our original, I meant to mention this before when we were just talking generally about war, is that um, the band like makes the point that war isn't all political conflict, that you can have war in love and in relationships and marriage and all these things. So the fact that like love songs are complicated love songs are in this album. Right. And that's why there aren't tanks and guns on the cover, but a nine-year-old boy. Because war is complicated. His Because a nine-year-old boy in the face of war is a whole lot more dark and everything than than tanks and bombs and guns and shit. And a nine-year-old boy is also like relationship. Right. Those drums at the beginning are just so... I don't know. I get so excited about that. Yeah. The other thing with like a song, I mean, I probably could talk about this forever too, but I really cut it short. So I think this is, this is Bono's first foray into getting rage in his voice. Like, you know, you listen to bad and exit and he just builds up to this like rage. And he didn't, I mean, his, his words maybe were raging before, but the way his vocals weren't and when he when he got that you know I think that's a you know a a game changer for you too is when he got that rage in his voice but it is kind of ironic also that one of the lyrics is you know angry words won't stop the fight yeah I don't know god I love this song one of my favorite lyrics is this in this song is the too right to be wrong in this rebel song yeah I honestly have a hard time wrapping my brain around what it actually means. Right. But I it love sounds song. so profound. <laughs> so here's um, a fun fact. Like a song has only ever been played once. 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 And it's on your bucket list. <laughs> right. So <laughs> what am I? Uh, damn it. Maybe I should pick something else. But I mean it. Maybe I'll get a third song. But Go I mean it. it. This I want to hear it. Um, yeah I didn't even think about that it was um, played February 26 1983 in Scotland which I believe was the first full out war tour show so they played it once and decided that it wasn't going to keep working yeah this album which it's a little perplexing because there are a lot of songs that weren't played live and like I don't think they did that again until like 360 but I think that was because they didn't stand behind the album they obviously stood behind right boy but maybe things are just more complicated live or whatever do you have any more I'm out no I don't I just think that this is like it's just not a complicated song it's like no I love it so good and to the point and yeah I just I will pass that on the floor with you yeah no, don't. And all of Please. our cohorts. Right. <laughs> I, I'm going to pass out on Maybe this we should send a memo to, like, security to tell them to just let us <laughs> lay there. <laughs> <laughs> Please pick us up when the song ends. Yes. <laughs> I'll stay up for you. So if we are allowed to, Bucket Mine is also on this album. So, and it is a possibility. We'll get there. Okay. Um, are we ready to move on to the next song? I'm ready. Okay, this is Drowning Man. Drowning Man is a song that I believe I've just about always taken for granted. I that I have that in my note as well. I have 
a friend who is adamant. It is one of his missions to get this song played live. And I will also say that he was on the acrobat mission and that happened. Took. So I, I don't know. And I mean, acrobat's also timely. So yeah. I don't know how Johnny Man becomes timely again. Goodness. I think that this song. I mean, I'd have to research this too, but I'm pretty sure that they actually rehearsed this in the 360. I think 360 started in, like, the actual first show was in Europe, yeah. Barcelona or somewhere. And they actually sound checked right, yeah. it. It never and maybe came another to time. Maybe they've sound checked it. A, kind of almost feel like that too. But um, it's okay. So, firstly, the title "Drowning Man" is never in the lyric. Which, for whatever reason, I love those songs. It's bad and exit. You know. Yeah. Um, There's a theory that it was the opening lyric, and it didn't work because yeah. "Drowning Man" and "Take My Hand" so like. I think, and it was a friend of ours pointed this out many, many, many years ago. And I don't think I entirely listened and paid attention to it as much until now, until we were preparing for this podcast. But I think it is actually U2's only pure love song. It's a love song. I mean, it's, which is crazy to call it Drowning Man, but there's nothing political there's nothing you know love sucks love hurts kind of in this song at all like i really think that's accurate and patty said that years ago i mean i'll have to keep that in mind as we go through more of the albums Uh uh-huh um because i can't in this like i have to like maybe i'll find another one that i think is also love song i mean to me it's absolutely rare yeah to me, it's spiritual completely, and maybe that is a love. I mean, I've read a few different, it's this, it's that, but I mean, to me, it's a man and God, like, having a conversation about their love and how they're going to save each other. Right. Which so so often I get, and, you know, people will continue to hear our, like, discomfort with some of the deep religious stuff, but this I I can stand like behind this kind of because I mean because because love because la- love goes through so many relationships it right. just doesn't make I following that concept of the song is pretty amazing if you take it word for word it can also be a love song I mean I think you know Bono his love oh but is the all... love the love is between. I mean I still think it's a love song the spiritual love song but I believe it's between a person and their God like that. Well, I think it also could, I think it also could be about a a person and another person. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But I was just just, saying that the prayer was love. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I really, I feel like listening to it, to drowning me while we were preparing for this, just opened my eyes to how amazing the song is. And to me it feels like it's absolutely a precursor to the unforgettable fire and i almost mean the song of the unforgettable fire with 2020 hindsight again which i think i say another five times in this you can see exactly how that drowning man turned into 
it's so sophisticated it is so so like the ambient like sound of it is Mm -hmm. completely that you know a path to that new sound that yeah they find with unforgettable fire it and i think so beautiful so beautiful and i think that edge said that i think it was edge that said that with drowning man you know there are plenty of songs that they could go back and um re-record and improve but this was they couldn't do that with drowning man yeah. It's perfect. Drowning Man has never been played live. It's been snipped into songs 38 times, but never actually played, which is tragic to me because it's uh soundtrack. It's yeah, but I think I could see that it being it's so complicated. It's so just getting the right sound. Of yeah, that I could see it being not the best uh, um, song. I read apparently Bono had been working on a play. He was writing a script of some sort entitled Drowning Man that had some ballet aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Huh. And, you know, you can hear the ballet right. in the music. That's really interesting. God, I love this song and I really don't, I give it no credit. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that it sounds like that I've skipped it most of the time yeah. listening and that's just wrong because it's amazing right absolutely so mad props Johnny man our boys are turning into men yes they are <laughs> oh proud of our boys always proud of mostly always proud of our boys uh should we move on to the next song yes we should is it time what is the next song uh the next song is the Refugee? It is The Refugee. Which is the first song of the B-side. I don't have a lot on this song. I don't like it. And it does sound like a mix of like, if you took like tribal music and the talking heads and this soundtrack of West Side Story, you get okay. The Refugee. And that's all I, I got. <laughs> I see I what they're like going it. for. Yeah, They're going for... The African feel of it. I read a little bit more about it and it kind of made me like appreciate where they were trying to go with it. Because mm-hmm. again, like I don't skip it. It's fast. It's a quick song. So like two things that happened. One, the band has been spending a lot of time in America. And in America, you're going to meet a lot of people from different places. While like in Ireland, you're not. This was like, you know, and Bono's always the one out there meeting people, talking to people, this, this, and that. And he's meeting refugees. He's meeting people from other countries, people who look different, people who sound different. And I think being so far from home, he felt kind of like maybe a kindred spirit with them. Like, well, we're Irish, we're refugees too, you know? There had also been something happening in the history of like Celtic history at the time where like so much of what is associated with like the Celtic history and think like the writings and the drawings of the Book of Kells that's like kind of isolated to the island and apparently it has like African and Egyptian roots so bringing those kind of tribal chants and drums in there he was trying they were trying to mix this stuff together and you know what good try that was yeah valid good try, boys. I don't gotta yeah. listen to it I'm and sorry, I really play- felt like that was boring of me (laughs) no it was good it's never been played live ever not once um ever so here's something we've never talked about and so during like american soul on the last tour 
when Bono would go on about refugees and he would refer to them as refugees. You know, we're Irish, we're refugees here in America. And that always, I'm, I like, I just does not sit right with me. Cause I'm like, are you? Cause I, I don't think you are pretty sure you got a work visa that you don't have any trouble. Right. Right. With. <laughs> no, but, that when, tr- when Trump became president, I got a little worried about those work visas. Yeah. But I just don't <laughs> think that these brilliant <laughs> musicians from Ireland are going to have any trouble no. having, you know, living no. in our country for whatever period of time they need. But going back and reading about this song in him being young and meeting refugees for the first time here in America and feeling this like a kindredship with them. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. If he's going back, I'm like kind of okay with him saying that if that's like a personal thing for him. But now I'm like, okay. I don't agree with that. He's not a, his mm-hmm. people maybe were, have been refugees, yes. but he is not. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that yeah. is why are the entire American police and fire forces are Irish. Right. I mean, because the only... there has been an onslaught. Like, they've been refugees here for a long time. Right. But, um, you know, like, he's, maybe he is, you know, <laughs> in France or something, maybe he's a refugee there because he escaped the rain or bad weather <laughs> in Ireland, but that's it. That's his as much as he can claim yeah. his own refugee status, which is not at all. I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't, he wouldn't talk about it anymore. I, I mean, I don't know because I mean, you can we'll talk, I, we can talk more about that when we get to those albums. But Yeah. But I think that it's very broad definition, but I mean, I think you can be refugee from anything, but he is, he's using it in a, in a way that I think is, uh, I agree with you. I never thought about it before. I'm sure he has an explanation for it and I'll yeah. he can tell us over cake and whiskey. Yeah. And I'll what be like, of, okay. What kind of cake cool. did we decide that was going to be? It was Goo Goo Cluster cake. That's right. We might have to find that one day and figure out how good that tastes with whiskey. <laughs> like, because I believe when we drank it last time, I had champagne. I had, I was drinking whiskey. Yeah, you probably were. I was I probably had enough whiskey. And I don't remember what I was drinking. Did I? Maybe I had champagne. I no, because I think we, I think we. All, all I know ordered... is I was going to put extra cake in the fridge, and then I ate it all. So. Yeah. And I, oh my god! It's exactly because I looked at that cake, and I'm like, "There's no way in hell we're eating all that." Why like, did you two, we'll so give us cake. two pieces. Yeah. <laughs> I think I. I mean, I will not be cake picky. No, I'll but take if whatever. It happened to be Goo Goo Cluster cake. Yeah. From Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> or like maybe we could make a deal where like we'll supply the cake and you supply the whiskey. And I think okay. we're gonna get the better end of that deal. I think maybe, maybe. not though. I mean I'm I'm <laughs> <laughs> maybe oh, he'll like bring a bottle for himself. We have our own language. Yeah, I've I've drank on Bono's time before, and it's never been. Have you ever had cork in your whiskey? No, it's never been anything. That's not true. In Dublin, that we were that was a different level of uh, fancy than we had been to before. But that was quality liquor. That was quality. That was also like I think an actual bar in a hotel, yeah. as opposed that was not... to right. backstage hospitality. Yeah. That some runner so, went and ran to the liquor store before 
so the backstory is that we have had a privilege a handful of times of being in backstage hospitality every time hillary has had cork in her wine every single time every single time and it's almost like well is it is it really a joke or did that really happen every time (laughs) but it has happened every time and i think it's three times is it three three? times cork yeah that i don't think i've had cork in my wine three times in my life well i had three times I had it once before, and that was in the old kitchen under the clearance, <laughs> which is also a U2 establishment. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I need, I'm sorry, but I need to see the owner because this is unacceptable. <laughs> and the guy's like, ha ha. Did like, you really yeah, say it that? Was worth, yeah. I'm like, it was worth a <laughs> shot. <laughs> I'm like, he really needs to carry there. <laughs> just on the other side of that curtain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that actually actually that night he wasn't there. That night was no. okay. a different night. But but that said, <laughs> it was for real that there was court in my wine oh and my then goodness. yeah. But I mean I we drank all the drinks in um Dublin and that was all good. So Yeah. That's that's the time we we drink on yeah, Bono's dime and it was quality alcohol. But yeah, good. you think that when you go to backstage, you know, the the, the floor is paved with gold and we've got like really amazing food and drinks and all this. No, you were <laughs> in a sports arena. Yes. <laughs> it's not cool. It's no. like a teeny little room most of the time that they just bring whatever kind of crap they can fit in there. And there's not usually enough room for everyone to sit and you get like, pretzels and um, m&ms m&ms and goldfish crackers you don't even get like nuts or anything <laughs> and quirky wine yeah there's no freaking cake no like, cake. no cake nothing like that oh i think goodness. if we had stayed long enough we maybe would have had some cake in dublin but we had we had bigger plans we like i wish i kind of wish i'd had a few more drinks yeah because we just saw like the champagnes, we had a, some champagne, and then we realized there was like a full bar. Yeah, and they had those like forty ounce balmers. Balmers, yeah. I was like, Which was... I was like let's split a balmers, and then you brought. I brought <laughs> each of us one. <laughs> I'm like, it's free. It's and like... then we went to the venue, Coors Light. <laughs> no, we had no. What wine. wasn't Coors Light? Because no, I wouldn't buy. I would not. Would not wasn't buy it Coors no, I would not buy it because I just found that so unacceptable. Oh, I just meant like that was our option. Like, oh yeah, and wa- and some kind of cheap wine, and then we had plenty of our own. Yeah, um, like I don't go to a foreign country to go buy personally. Okay, we are getting so far off track. Yes, we are. Refugee. So. Um- hey there, listeners. If you're a U2 fan, you are more than likely aware of the work that Bono has done and continues to do in Africa. It's amazing work, and the exciting thing is you can get involved too. There are two simple ways. One, go to one.org and sign up to fight against extreme poverty. Two, visit red.org to shop. What? Shopping helps? It sure does. By purchasing Red branded products, you are contributing to the Global Fund, which supports HIV AIDS grants in many African countries. As your man says, where you live should not decide whether you live or whether you die. 
So head on over to one.org and red.org to join the Garden Tarts in doing our part to end AIDS. Bring it on. Oh, we're done with Refugee. Are we done? The next song is Two Hearts, Two Hearts. Beat as One. This is my bucket list song from this album. And we part heard of that. Did you hear it? We, we heard hear a it. snippet of it. You and I did. 360 Pittsburgh. Yes, mm-hmm. we did. But I've never but, heard it. No, but, and they played it a handful of times in recent years. So I was kind of, year, so do you want what you can't have? Right. <laughs> so it's like, but is this the time? Is this the time? Is this the time? Um, Just kind of made it worse. They played it 133 times live. The first one was in Scotland. February 26, 1983, and the most recent was in Berlin, September 29th, 2015. Okay. So they played it on INE. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would have really liked to have heard that. Yeah. This is my song that would go in Bono's Lounge app. Oh, like two hearts. <laughs> so much snapping. Yeah. <laughs> This would be a Bonus Vegas lounge app. We need to keep like a set list, a track of these. So right. when we meet over whiskey and cake, we can tell him we have it all written out for him. We're just gonna give him like a binder of stuff, like read this. <laughs> we'll have him study before we have the whiskey and cake. He's we got had time for it. an entire list of things for you. <laughs> And now we don't Indi- know what they are. And we're going to index it and have a, you know. Yes. Yeah. Reference it. Cross-reference. Glossary. Um, and- <laughs> yeah. So fun fact about this song. So during the kind of pre-writing of this album, Bono and Ali got married and they went on their honeymoon and they was broke. So thankfully, Chris Blackwell lent them the use of one of his homes in Jamaica, Goldeneye nonetheless, quite a famous home and he wrote that, he wrote two songs on on their honeymoon and I don't know what the other one is but this is one of them, but it is so obvious, I mean the whole two hearts beat is one is pretty you're on your honeymoon, you just got married to like your high school sweetheart, that part's pretty obvious as a love song but also the whole this is my last chance over and over and over again like make or break it if this album doesn't work right they are toast it is so obvious like honey i can't i love it i can't stop to dance honey this is my last right. chance i can't dance right now no and you know, to write a fucking song right <laughs> but you know she's she's still around 37 years later so god bless her yeah Oh my gosh. It's so, and again, you know, he's like yearning for lyrics, like the whole, I don't right. know how to say what's got to be said. Ugh. Different but lyrics. That's, but I, that's oh, also my, my, um, oh, it's hashtag sting again with do 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 da da da. And I have another one more hashtag sting. You know, this is really weird because for so long, I really thought I liked this song. And lately, it's just not doing it for me like I thought it did. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know what changed but i just kind of feel like i don't know the the part with the beat on black beat on white it almost sounds like yeah. he's almost trying to like rap or something <laughs> for whatever he's in jamaica this man is, this just disturbed me recently it didn't it never bothered me before but i really love the 
the funky bass in it. Oh, Adam is, I have written down, Adam's bass is the absolute gem. Yeah, that's so funky. <laughs> you know, I also don't think, I don't give Adam enough credit, but the, he he really rocks it on War. Yeah, I just, I don't know what has changed in my head, because I used to love this song, but I just feel like it's all over the place, and I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is, but yeah. I love it. I also like lyrics that like pop out at me as I think are like clever and you know Mm tongue-in-cheek the line they say I'm a fool they say I'm nothing but if I'm a fool for you oh that something I I feel like that's a sweet sweet little love line really 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 is I feel like that could be a hallmark card (laughs) I can't stop to dance I I just never thought of it like that that's pretty deep yeah I don't know it's some vibe about it that just but I understand it. I understand it being, I mean, I forever and ever thought it was like such a great song. And it just recently, yeah. I don't know, it confused me or something. Or I don't know. But anyway. Isn't that funny? The more I listen to it, yeah. the more I love it. And you're going yeah. opposite. I don't know. I think it's tons of fun. Yeah. No, no, I I agree. With and if you don't dive into the desperation right. of the lyrics of like. Right. I want to use the line, the lyric, are these words distractions to the words you want to hear? I want to use that to my children. <laughs> Ooh, that's really, <laughs> Ooh. that's really. A kid's like, when they're like, can I have this? No. Can I have this? No. Can I have this? Like, are you waiting for a different answer? <laughs> like, are my words distracting you from the answer that you actually <laughs> want? Because. Oh, that's very deep. I don't know. You should tell. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out a way to work yeah. that in. To whiskey and cake. Or just my children. I'm not going to get No, no, but you should. <laughs> or right now, Kate. You should tell Bono how your your plan for that those lyrics. Because I bet he never thought about that. Or maybe he maybe did. Maybe he did. Maybe he used it on his children. Yeah, that would be awesome. Except if my dad used one of his own lyrics on me, I would, like, laugh in his face. <laughs> yeah. Like, that would not work. True. For... If you wrote the lyrics, no. then I don't think you can use it like that. Like, don't quote you to me. <laughs> don't quote yourself. A wise young man once said, two hearts beat as one, pick me up off the floor when it's okay. done. <laughs> that rhymed. I didn't even I mean know. that. I'm a poet, and I didn't even right? know it. Good job there. Yeah. Um, I'm out for two hearts, but the next song is red light can we hashtag the police yes it's hashtag already (laughs) hashtag (laughs) police this is youtube's roxanne right it is um so i don't like this song but again preparing for this podcast i heard a few little things that kind of made it slightly more interesting i still don't like it it's never been played live which isn't surprising to me at all yeah i don't I don't, I don't. I don't have a feeling for it, honestly. Either way, I don't dislike it. No, but but I. So I'm very neutral right, about so it. So the the women that come in and sing at the beginning, in my imagination, mm-hmm. it's like prostitutes in. <laughs> 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 it's like really. Are, I mean, they're supposed to be singing prostitutes, I believe. If I'm if I'm listening correctly, but. That said, I only like U2 singing U2 songs, with very few exceptions. I don't like interlopers, and I don't like girls singing with U2. <laughs> so I said it. It's all out there. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to hear said it. it. I don't. You know, I don't want to hear 
you know, I'm all for so this was yeah. feminism and, and everything, so is, but I don't want girls singing with you too. I don't need <laughs> I don't need to hear that. So it's Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Yes. It's the co- or who are featured it's on the, the Coconuts album. that are I think are and the featured. yeah. And a fun fact about the recording is that you know the Coconuts I believe were very free with their spirit. And one of them decided that that was warm. So she took yes, it. I, I read that too. And apparently our young Irish friends were not used to no. such freedom. No. <laughs> and this left an impression on them. But like, so thinking about it, like it really is like, I never gave this song more than half a thought that I don't like. Yeah. The, I don't like the singer. I don't like it. But I guess coming from 60s, 70s, 80s, Ireland, vagrant prostitution must have been an eye-opener for our lads and yes, um, who are new to the big outside world. And I can see that being fodder for good lyrics. It just right. kind of didn't go that way, but really don't like the song. The reasoning for it, I guess, is interesting to think. Yeah, they, the influence yeah. of becoming world travelers and something new. Yeah. And, you know, it will never be Roxanne. It will never be Roxanne. Even though it's no. flat out called Red Light. <laughs> that the red lights are never going to be turned on and apparently they had they had red lights on in the studio to right. set, the mood. set the mood yeah no seriously my <laughs> my note for this says hashtag dane hashtag roxanne um because <laughs> it's our you know it's our obligatory so now we're up to like three yeah. sting hashtags for this out yeah just one bruce and I, i'm not Okay, so has Red Light concluded? Red Light has concluded. Yeah. Okay. So next is Surrender. Yes. Firstly, Um, let me give a shout out to Sadie, who is the name of your daughter. Woo woo. I wish I could give this song credit. Right. It gets no credit. I actually didn't even think of it. Husband came up with that name because he's a big Beatles fan. Sexy Sadie. So, but so while she is not named after the song, her name is inspired yes. by the name of the song. Yes. Yeah. If you don't <laughs> just like the name, if you don't know this song, like maybe maybe we're talking to about songs that people should already know about this stuff. But we should maybe skew our podcast a little more to people who don't know anything about. That just hit me. Yeah. Like I just said, shout out to Sadie. Who's gonna know that if you? Don't already know the song. Well, that, that's true. So my youngest daughter's name is Sadie, and Sadie is mentioned in yeah. the song. Not my Sadie. No, no, no. A, a grown-up woman named yes, Sadie. Not her real name. The song is about yeah, her. Is about a woman named Sadie. It per- this song perplexes me, but I'm I don't love it. But it really is kind of interesting. It's very Bono. It's, it's, it's so, so Bono. Bono. And I my uh, my note here. I said alluding to suicide. My thought on this was uh, Bono alludes to suicide that, you know, Sadie makes the ultimate surrender or does she, you know, don't we all have to kind of take a jump to find what we want? You got to die to live the ultimate Bonoism. <laughs> it's written right here. And it's, I have a quote yeah, from it's him right here. The ultimate Bonoism. The quote from him is you've got to learn to let go in order to live. And that's what surrender is about. But I mean, if you think about it, if you're not happy, you got to kill something to continue to live. And And it's not the first time they've written about suicide. So I really, but it doesn't even, I mean, it says she goes up to the 48th floor, but it it doesn't really flat out say 
No, but the whole like find out what she's living I for. I know, but like, is it worth jumping or worth not jumping? It's a li- it's implied. It's it is implied. To, but it's implied, kind of. You know, not that she actually jumps, just that it's right. thought about. But I mean, the other thing is, you know, that's also alluded to. I see seven towers, but I only see one way out. And yeah, that's just alluded to. Like yeah. You want a day without me, on oh boy, like it. Yeah, but anyway, so I don't like this song, but I really like reading about it and preparing again for this podcast. I have a definitely newfound liking for it. So it's been p- played live 116 times and played well into Unforgettable Fire tour. So um, just so people don't know, if people don't know, Sadie was a woman, I guess, that he, they met in New York. She was a hustler. It sounds like they came across her multiple times mm-hmm. over the years. She was a hustler on the streets, ended up with a smack habit, had been a mother going through her life, figuring out what, and I guess this is him right, kind of writing her story maybe in his mind. I have this n- the, written down that this is definitely not the band that wrote October. Oh, this no, is, no, no. This no. is a new band. There's like so much atmosphere in the music. With the band and with the slide guitar, like this is definitely the slide guitar is in. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely diving into different territories and getting more experimental. I'd also read, and I honest, I see like the Sadie story here, but that apparently, like, if you get below the surface, there's multiple meanings here. That's a shocker. Alludes- <laughs> what? <laughs> I just like it's really literal to me, so it's hard for right. me to see more of it. But he was having so much trouble writing lyrics. He like he'll famously say that like he'd want to sleep all day and thought and Allie would like kick him out of bed and like throw a pen in his hand and like force him to write. So maybe there's some kind of like surrendering to the pen. Right. I don't know. I don't want to dive into something I don't truly understand. I, yeah. and the li- it's growth. These they sh- it shows it growth as a band. The, yeah. The line, you know, I really like this song. Just has all, always just been under my radar, but. That line, and I want to live. And I want to live. I got to die to myself, myself someday. someday. Yeah. That's just. Yeah. That's our bono. Yeah. Yeah. He's really finding his voice. Yeah. Finding how he best tells stories for himself, which is it's cool to see that evolution. Do you have more on that one? I'm out. I think we're on to one of their, I think, their most famous songs, or like at least in the fan base. And that is 40. Okay, so 40 is proof that that you don't need to exhaust things and overdo yourself to get beautiful perfection. Because they needed one more track for the album. They contractually had one more track they had to do. They were literally getting, they were done. Their money was up. Their studio time was up. The next band, it was like 6 a.m. The next band is knocking at the doors. They're at Wimble Lane. Like, they had to lock the doors. <laughs> to keep the next band out and they took 40 minutes to write this song which is where that comes from which is also interesting a lot of lyrics come from psalm 40 but apparently they took 10 minutes to write it 10 minutes to record it 10 minutes to mix it and 10 minutes to play it back that's crazy which is just amazing and on one hand it is so simple and like sometimes they need to just stop touching stuff yeah i agree (laughs) with that i totally like it's like that's so that's like one of my beautiful. favorite things to say that I think it's from six degrees of separation that they say this guy 
an art dealer guy goes to his kid's kindergarten class and says, how do you make yeah. all these kids Picassos? You know, every one of these pictures looks like a Picasso and they're small children. And he, the teacher said, it's easy. I just take away the paper. And so like the yeah. more time you have to mess with something, the more time you have to mess it up. It's so it, This 40 is also sounds like it has that studio sound, which I generally don't like but I love 40 obviously but it sounds like it sounds raw like they didn't finish it wasn't well mixed or whatever who cares it's just such a great song I don't think it but I think that's part of the reason that I I love it it's that it's so raw I also think you can hear people talking in the background and it's just icon. I mean it's iconic yeah absolutely for those who don't know it's frequently played as the last song of a YouTube show, and I had a kind of really cool, I don't know, my what, my first show I went to in 92, they did not play it. They ended the show with With or Without You. But after that, the crowd started singing 40 as we were walking out of Coliseum. Oh, yeah. And it was like, I honestly had this, I kind of had this moment where it was like, I found my home. Like, I found, you know, yeah. where I belong and that location varies, but the people who are there are just like me. And I don't know, I mean, having, you know, thinking that in being in high school or whatever, it was just, but that's definitely like, I mean, I knew at that moment, like, this is what I want to do. I want to follow right. this band everywhere I can for as long as I can, because this is me. This, these people are, are me. And I mean, it went out to the parking lot. Anyway, that was extremely, extremely an emotional moment but it really did I feel like set my the track of my future so also traditionally Edge and Adam swap instruments and I always think that's very very Mm -hmm. very cool but even though though I did read that Edge wrote wrote the the bass line (laughs) and performed it like Adam's not in that song right but that said when they swap instruments but I really really wish that one day Larry would sing and Bono would play the drum again that yeah, they just like why not? Why can't they do around. that? It could yeah. happen. Just you yeah. know, like I really just like Edge and Bono singing "Islands in the Stream." I would really like for <laughs> Larry to sing "40" and for Bono to play the drums, and I'm sure they both have that capability. So I'm sure they. What can. would what would stop them? And the whole like revisiting the how long to sing the song, which opens the album like so angrily yeah. on Sunday Bloody Sunday and at the end it like as a prayer it's peaceful so. so it's for those that also don't know it's uh Psalm 40 and I go to when every time I go to the synagogue I'm not always entirely comfortable being there but I always go find Psalm 40 which is in actual Hebrew it's called it's Tehillim Mem which is Psalm 40 and Bonner definitely, like, reading the exact wording of it, Bonner definitely takes artistic liberty. But I guess that the copyrights <laughs> kind of run out on the King David catalog <laughs> and it's public domain now. So let him at it. Yeah. <laughs> I have one more thing to say about 40. Amanda's wedding. So yeah. our third garden tart, Amanda, got married. And Jenny said, I brought extra tissues. And I'm like, I don't cry at weddings. Like, but it's Amanda's <laughs> wedding. But I don't cry at weddings. I have never been to a wedding that I've cried at. Though I think I maybe would have cried at your wedding if I wasn't dehydrated. 
and I felt like <laughs> I was dehydrated. Yeah, was there was nothing yeah. to cry. I maybe was going through the motions, but but I'm just like I don't need I don't need tissues. I never cry at weddings. Like my emotions don't work like that. And then there was a reading of forty, and Amanda turned around, turned her head, and actually looked at us from being up on the yeah whatever pulpit, whatever it is, and I lost it. And I cried and I still get emotional thinking about that moment because I love us. Yeah. And that was a us moment. And I'm never it was an us moment. I'll never I'll never get over that. But I really was like, no. I'm not and you're like, it's Amanda's wedding, of course you're gonna cry. Not me. <laughs> and that was ten years it ago. It was now. ten years ago. The first time I heard forty was that Pop Mart show in Atlanta, which was a hugely emotional yeah. show. It was my last show of the tour after an amazing, amazing time making friends and, you know, some special time with the band. And uh, we just lost Michael Hutchins and uh, it was huge. I'm, I'm assuming and that was, I, I, I didn't look that. it up, but I'm pretty sure that had to be my first time hearing it too. Yeah. I remembered it being on Pop Mart and um, I had to look because for some reason I thought it was my first show and it wasn't that made sense that it was my right. last show of that tour because... That was a very emotional night for all of us. That was um, a that was I'm such a sure great night. I also believe that Forty was read at our good friend Jim Henke's memorial service. It goes around. <laughs> well, to to Jim. Yeah. To we'll Jim. we'll talk more about that next time. Yeah, that will come up prominently. Uh, yeah. In the next one. How many times have I heard so, um, Forty? Hold on, I want to look it up. Nine times. The last time I heard it was Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. 2011 <laughs> the greatest show of all time. oh so i heard it the last time i heard it was i and e in boston oh you heard it recently. yeah i'm sorry that i didn't hear it when i mean it, i heard it in 2015 but i'm sorry the last time we heard it wasn't together but so we went to this show in 2011 i mean so i don't know friends fans and listeners if you've ever been to a youtube show in pittsburgh and I don't know what it is about Pittsburgh. I don't necessarily think there's a... It's a great town. Nothing against Pittsburgh. It's just fine. But those <laughs> shows... Those shows are some of the greatest, most emotional shows I've ever seen. And we haven't missed a show in Pittsburgh for... In a while. Well, yeah. For, we, for the last... We saw Vertigo there and... 360 and Joshua Tree. Did they play there for I and E or E and I? Probably not because we would have gone to that. Let's see. I saw a Pop Mart. I saw Elevation. Yeah, I didn't see. 05, 11, 17. What was the one? Was that 360 and 05? No, that was in the middle. 05 was uh, FedEx. And was it? Two- we went to yeah. that and, and we were, we got the quirky wine and. Was it the it was the one at Heinz Field with that's when we had Stephanie with us and we all yeah died yeah well it was the, best we, show, of all the time. show we went to before then was at a Giant Stadium and this random guy came over and gave me the set list before the show was over <laughs> yeah and I looked at it and I had a freaking heart attack because it said bad all I want is you and forty of which they played none of and I'm just like what. <laughs> Like, I'm 
like crying. He hands me the set list and I'm just like gasping and freaking out. And they're just like, and I don't think I look. And you know, you I said, think you I don't want to look. look. And, yeah. and I'm just like, oh my God, the people are on the other side of me wanted to see it. Like everyone's freaking out and they didn't play any of it. And so then the next show we went to was in uh, Pittsburgh and they did play that same, the same order of songs, but yeah. that was not cool. You don't put that on it. You don't put three songs on a set list. No, but, not those three but songs. But that show was also <laughs> incredibly warm. And yeah. uh, I mean, I I saw, you know, from our side, you could see a little bit that a few times Bonnie was having a little bit of a hard time because the heat. But my yeah. friend said that he was inside pretty close to the front, like, I don't know, five people deep or whatever. And he said that it if you saw his face, it was scary. Like it was. Oh, no, yeah, like really, the heat yeah. really. So I understand they cut it short. Right. So I have other things. No, I think that's it. it okay, so it's been played 491 times. I looked it up, and the last time it was played, the date was 10 to 5 16. And I'm like, but they didn't tour in 16. What? And apparently they did some techie group, they did a show for them in San Francisco or somewhere you know, in uh, Silicon Valley or something that what and I remember it now because it was before it was, Oh, that was with the big, yeah, it was show. almost, it was a month yeah. and a day, two days before the election and that big Trump. Yeah. Video, and it, yeah. But it was so exciting. Like we're, this is, you know, clearly they're with us and this is not going down. And then shit if it didn't no, go down but anyway I thought that was interesting because I, I had to think about it for a while like I know for sure there was no tour in 2016 and if it was how did I not know about it yeah <laughs> no right I mean, there were a lot of tours recently yeah, no one but told me about a tour and that was the one off right. year right 15 yeah. yes 17 yes um, 18 yeah yes. 16 I slept <laughs> no but I mean yeah, there's been a lot of touring, but I know there wasn't any there. But that was, but they, I can't remember what it was, but they used the Vertigo stage or something. Like they dug something up that was really different. Yeah, but I don't remember. I don't remember either. I just remember seeing clips yeah. from that. In huh. conclusion, War is a very good album think- that everyone should listen to. War is great. I remember. I'm not going to say the name of the band because I feel embarrassed by it now. But I remember talking to the bass player of another band. And they had just released was their it, third was it album. Sting? It was oh, Sting. Sting. Okay. <laughs> or Bruce or Paul McCartney. <laughs> and being like, their new album was great. And it was better than the last two. And I was like, you know what? I think this could be your war. And he looked at me and he got it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And then they like, he wasn't on another album. And the band kind of fell apart. And the singer's a jackass and all these things. But I remember I was like, oh, this this could be your war. Yeah. Oh, we had a really proud Everybody moment there need, together. I was felt... it their war? No. They <laughs> Everybody should have a war, but... But they didn't have the band chemistry no. that... They weren't going anywhere as a solid unit. Well, I had the cassette, a cassette, and I don't know if I purchased it or, again, if someone dubbed it for me, but I remember going to... I think it was, at the time, it was Price Club. It was the Sam's Club, yeah. but not... Sam's Club. Right. And they had a double CD set that was War and the Unforgettable Fire. A double wow. set and I bought the CDs together at the same time. 
that's kind of cute. And my parents had just given me a CD player for my birthday, and I was kind of pissed off because I'm like, I don't have any CDs. <laughs> like, I think they gave me they gave me Madonna like a prayer that they gave me with the CD and the, the CD player, and then I'm like, and now you know I have to go buy all these all this crap now. That yeah, this present is gonna be very I didn't expensive want this. for me. I didn't say I wanted it. <laughs> But, I mean, I wasn't ungrateful. It was just, like, this is way more complicated than I think you thought it would be. Yeah. Because I have nothing to listen to on it. And then I slowly... Yeah. So, hey, I think we've really covered war really well now. So let's take a pause, put this together, and maybe in a week or two, we can do a special little ep for Under a Blood Red Sky instead of tagging it on the here. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to all our ramblings about war, and we look forward to hearing you soon. Also, we love hearing from people and chatting with people, and of course, we love talking you too. So you can drop us a line on Instagram or Twitter at the underscore garden tarts, or you can even email us at wearethegardentarts at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you would share it with your other YouTube loving friends, as well as leave a review for us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We would really, really love that. May your music be loud and your whiskey be strong. Until next time, cheers.